Hello and welcome in once again to the QB11 show. I am Doug Scott, joined as always by Andrew, QB11. Good evening. Good evening, Doug. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, getting ready and fired up to sit on the couch on Saturday and watch a slate of games, including the Oregon Ducks and the California Golden Bears at 1230. I like when we play early uh, from a TV standpoint because I don't build up my nerves all day long. So, Yeah, it kind of works out like I've got like a little routine going now, like go get a workout in. I can like listen to slash slash watch the uh, 9 a.m. games on my phone. Um, stop at the store, get some stuff for breakfast, make a big breakfast, like slash brunch, and then um, watch our game and then get to enjoy the games for the rest of the day without having to stress about our game anymore. Well, before we get into this one, I just want to remind our listeners, if you can, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you wouldn't mind to go shoot over to one of those platforms, whichever one is your favorite and give us a review and a rating. We would appreciate it. We love doing all this. We love seeing um, those ratings. Also, we're going to be doing listener questions in, in a soon upcoming episode, uh, p- perhaps on Sunday. So if you could shoot some of those to us on Twitter at QB11Show, we will uh, put some of those, the best ones, on the show. You ready to talk about this game? Yeah, let's get into some Cal preview. All right. Well, as our listeners know well, you have uh, previously referred to this team as known it's distasteful towards the sport of football. And honestly, I, I kind of stand behind it. Their offense still stinks. Um, just looking at Cal's F plus rating there, they are 101st out of 131 um, in offensive efficiency. So definitely uh, closer to Iowa than they are to Oregon in regards to offensive explosiveness and efficiency. So yeah, definitely, definitely not uh, a team. Th- this should be a game that makes the Oregon fans feel better about the defense, not worse. And um, if it does make us feel worse, that means we've got some bigger, probably more structural issues that need to be addressed. Yeah, if you look at their at their offense, obviously they're led by quarterback Jack Plummer, about sixty one percent completion percentage on the year, which is not not a great number in college football. Uh, watched him a little bit. I actually watched most of that game last week against Washington, which was. Um, I don't know. I would think I was punishing myself or something for watching that game late in the evening, but yet I did. Uh, he, he's not very mobile. Um, you know, had some good opportunities late in the game to, to p- potentially tie it up and just seemed like the moment was just too big for him. Um, on the other side, they've got, or on that side, you know, they've got a pretty dynamic running back in Jaden Knott, who was a one-time Oregon commit uh, several years back. Uh, he's a true freshman this year. And they have a couple of receivers who, who actually looked pretty good. You know, I particularly, I, I liked what I saw out of a uh, J Michael Sturdivant out on the outside. I thought he had some, you know, some really great catches against Washington and a couple more that, that could have been there, but just, just didn't get made. So it, it feels like they have some weapons, but they just can't seem to muster up any kind of success. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Uh, Jeremiah Hunter is another receiver on the outside. He's been a good player and, uh, for those who follow recruiting, Jermaine Terry at tight end is a player that Oregon recruited. Uh, he came in in the same class as uh, Mataveo and Ferguson. Uh, he's not the starting tight end, but he's been kind of working back from an injury last year. So uh, the bigger bigger guy that they can go to in 12 personnel. Overall, it's kind of weird. I, I feel like, disregarding the quarterback, I feel like the core of skill position players here is actually pretty strong. Uh, watching film on these guys, I'm like, I feel like if the system was maybe a little bit more progressive, uh, this could be 
a more explosive offense than it otherwise is. I don't think Jack Plummer is great. I I, I don't know. I, I have I've watched Jack Plummer now at both Purdue and Cal. Um, and he's like he's very consistently average, and like there's nothing wrong with that. I feel like that's very, very cow like. Um, but one thing that continues to impress me about him is like while you're right, he's not a, he's not a great athlete. He's not going to run for a bunch of yards, uh, but he is like very effective at avoiding first pressure, working within the pocket. Um, sometimes it doesn't matter because their offensive line is kind of Swiss cheese, and uh, you can poke holes in it from every direction. And sometimes there's nowhere for him to go and He's not super explosive, but he does a good job of extending the play within the pocket for the most part and trying to get the ball downfield. The interesting part about looking at like the, the more advanced statistics on this Cal passing game is that they actually are averaging almost 10 yards per attempt in terms of like air yards, which is not what you would expect from a team that like lacks explosiveness, right? Like you'd expect them to be more dink and dunk centric. I just think it kind of goes to the point that they're not particularly I feel like this this offense doesn't make things easy for them. Like, there's not a lot of free access throws. There's not a lot of lateral stuff to just kind of get the ball out to the outside quick. Um, it's very dependent on the offensive line, which if you have a good offensive line is fine, but they don't have a particularly good offensive line. Um, the, the Cal offensive line is 65th in average line yards, um, 121st in power success rate. So they're, they're getting stuffed on 50% of – uh, third and fourth and short runs. Um, they're they're struggling to uh, they're, they're struggling to protect the quarterback, giving up a very high pressure rate. It's interesting. It, this seems to me like there's a philosophical gap that, that can be bridged here if they were to make, to move to a more modern offense. But Bill Musgrave and Justin Wilcox seem more interested in keeping scores looking closer than they are um, than they are in actually trying to score points and win the game. Yeah, I mean, if you look at that game last week, again, they played against Washington at home, and Washington might have the second worst defense in the conference. Uh, you, they're certainly in the bottom, in the bottom third, bottom three, you know, bottom two, somewhere in that range. I mean, they just and and Cal only managed three hundred and six yards, got shut out in the first half. You know, did put up three touchdowns in the second half, and and in a, a comeback bid that fell short, if you will, but. Uh, they they ran the ball thirty one times for sixty one yards. Uh, I mean, it's just it it's it's mind boggling how bad they are on offense. Yeah, again, and I think like like Jade Knott's proven this year. I mean, he's been pretty productive. When they give him holes, he's a pretty explosive back. Like he makes things happen. He's like, he's got good instincts. He runs with good pace. Like there, I could see why uh, former Oregon running back coach Jim Mastro was so high on him so early on. Like the the run skills are impressive. The physical package is impressive. Unfortunately for him, there's there's very rarely runs where he's actually like skating through the first level clean, um, and that's even against some of the like less talented fronts in the conference, whether it's. Uh, the interior of the Washington front or the entire Colorado front, they really have struggled to run the ball with efficiency against some of these teams that really, if you look at their metrics overall for the season, have been kind of been able to be had in those same situations. So um, to me, Cal, again, it's a very regressive approach to playing offense at this level. They, they, they're very stuck on trying to possess the ball and play around a defense that's been very bend but don't break. I know we're not talking about the defense right now, but I think that you kind of have to talk about one with the other. Um, 
because again, from, from watching the film and analyzing the statistics, it seems to me like they're more concerned. I don't think they think they're very good, like as a coaching staff. And it seems that they're more concerned with trying to keep games close and then maybe get lucky on a late drive. Um, just with the way that these games have flown, uh, then actually just trying to outright win the game by like moving the ball up and down and scoring touchdowns. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it's interesting to think about it that way. It's, I mean, I guess if you're, you know, if you're in that kind of situation from a talent and scheme perspective, uh, you know, maybe that's the best um, strategy to to take, right? I mean, especially coming to a game like Oregon. I mean, you can't sit here and go think you're going to outscore Oregon, right? So, you know, your only hope in a game like this is to to kind of muddy it up and and try to keep it close, right? And then, yeah, hope for some turnovers or hope for, you know, a kick return or some play that, that's going to turn the tide in your favor. Yeah, like kind of reinforcing some of the problems they've had with the offensive line. They recently uh, brought Steve Greatwood back as an analyst out of retirement. He had been their offensive line coach uh, for a couple years after his stint after his stint at Oregon had ended. Um, and so they, and they've been working a bunch of different types of combinations and rotations of offensive linemen. There's about eight different guys I've seen move in and out of the lineup. And I, I think they're just really struggling from a talent standpoint on the front. Um, and I think that that's an area where the Oregon defense is going to match up really, really well with this Cal offense. And I think that I, I don't have the numbers in front of me in regards to like what their play call tendency is on first down, just from watching the film. They seem, they seem to lean run pretty heavy. If Oregon can stuff the run um, and, and play those situations well and keep Cal behind the chains, I think that this is an opportunity for an improved third down defense to show itself and enforce a lot of stops. Yeah, if you can get if you can get them in the third and long, and I think, you know, given the the porous nature of their of their line, right? I mean, I think Oregon has had some decent success at getting pressure this year, not really converting those into sacks, right? But but still, if you can get those pressures in, in those certain long situations, that could could look good. Um, and getting off the field on some of these drives where yeah. you know you don't have a quarterback like a DTR or or you know some of the other dynamic playmakers that we faced, or even like a guy like Rising will be playing in a few weeks when Utah comes to town, right? Like you know, Plummer's not gonna like beat you with his legs. So it's an opportunity, kind of like the Stanford game, with you. You got a guy who's kind of a more pocket bound quarterback that if you can get them in some third and long situations, it really gives your defense an opportunity to, to tee off. And yeah, know. I think, I think that like as a defensive play caller, playing a team like Cal gives you a lot more flexibility to bring pressure. Whereas against, against uh, DTR and UCLA, I think our pressure rate was substantially lower. We, we played with more of a spy uh, played with eyes in the backfield where we could just kind of leverage to the ball. If you were to, escape the pocket and that overall worked out well. I think Oregon did a pretty good job of limiting Dorian Thompson Robinson's ability to improvise outside the pocket in a game like this. I think the main thing here is you just want, like you, you don't want to give him like that easy lane straight up the middle. If you're going to play man coverage and bring pressure, what you want to do is you want to force him to bubble out of the pocket towards the sideline, gain depth. If he has to escape uh, because he's not the type of athlete that's beating anybody in the front to the corner. So I, I think there's going to be a lot more flexibility for Tosh Lapoy, Dan Lanning, and, and Matthew Pallage to dial up uh, some some pressures here, some simulated pressures, uh, and try to get try to get to Cal um, in obvious passing situations. And you'd have to think, unless things go 
horribly wrong and different than what we've seen for like the last six games in a row now is you have to think Oregon's going to put pressure on Cal from an offensive standpoint. Like the Oregon's offense is going to, you know, if we, if it's anything like we've seen, they're going to have a lot of points on the board, which is going to put a lot of pressure on the Cal offense to, to probably go more to one dimensional or, or to try to keep pace at some point in this game, whether that's second quarter, third quarter, whatever. Uh, and that changes that, you know, like you said, that it gets away from what they want to do, which is run first and, and it allows even more opportunities to kind of bring that pressure. Yeah. One thing that's definitely worth noting here is that Jade Nott has been one of the more effective pass catchers for, for Cal out of the backfield. Um, 21 catches ties him for third on the team in receptions. So they definitely do look to go to the running back out of the backfield here. So whether it's, um, Flow or Sewell or Bass or whoever's playing at linebacker, we really need to tackle well in those situations because he's pretty dynamic in space, and that's how that could lead to some conversions in third and third and longer situations that we didn't manage as well against UCLA. I think that we really struggled to tackle backs out of the backfield. I can think of at least one time from Flow where he went a little high um, or we just kind of were out leveraged. So th- that's a that's an area where if – we don't notice Jade not in the in the past game retroactively at the end of the, at the end of the game, then that means that the Oregon defense has improved in that aspect from a week ago. So that's I think that's an area that you could maybe as a spectator watching the game live hone in on and watch um, and possibly notice some improvement week to week. Yeah, you'd have to think they're gonna they're gonna attempt to to maybe feature that too, given what we saw in the UCLA game where Chip really really put our linebackers, you know, in a bind on, on running backs out of the backfield, like purposely, you know, very intentionally and with a lot of success. So you'd have to think any, anybody looking at the film is going to try to replicate that. Yeah. I mean, going all the way back to the Georgia game to open the season, like everybody has had copycat game plans since then. And, and really like Oregon has improved in some senses at defending the perimeter. Um, I think that the perimeter wide receiver screen game is an area that the Oregon defense has really improved. But handling backs out of the backfield, um, leveraging those situations when when it's like a, when it's a five out uh, five man protection, that's where Oregon hasn't been great, and and that's an area that still um, needs to be an emphasis for improvement. So I, I would assume that Bill Musgrave and Cal are seeing that on film as well, and that's going to be an area that they look to exploit. What about in their passing game? I mean, what do you? You know, you, you talked a little bit. You think they're mostly a, a more of a downfield drop pack, downfield drop back passing attack, or you, they run a lot of play action. What do they? They like tight ends. They do screens. What do they got? I think they would like to be a play action team. I think like if you were to ask Bill Musgrave candidly off the record, like in the off season, like hey, what what do you want to be able to do? I think that the way that the offense is structured, the way that the plays are layered, they'd like to be a good play action team. The problem is, is that they don't run the ball with nearly enough efficiency to really threaten. And so teams like Oregon, teams like Washington uh, last week who are going to sit back in a too high shell are able to stay on top of the passing game and kind of keep a lid on things. Uh, And that's something I expect Oregon to be able to do. I think Oregon's got the best defensive front Cal's played this season, possibly Notre Dame, but Notre Dame has kind of struggled at times. Uh, And so I think the ability to, to just play with your base front and stop the run and keep that too high shell and keep things in front is going to be a real asset for Oregon. And it's going to give them opportunities at pass breakups and potential turnover worthy plays. Yeah. Cal is second to last in the conference in, in uh, passing yards per attempt at just 6.7. 
on the season, only ahead of Colorado's uh, 5.6 number, which is just ungodly low. And from a rushing standpoint, they're a little better, 4.16 yards per carry, which is about middle of the road in the Pac-12. These are games against conference only. I've, I've excluded out the yeah games there, but. I mean, if you take out like Jade Knott has, I want to say he's got like 618 total yards uh, on the season rushing. Like if you take out his Arizona game where he had 274, it looks very different, right? Like yeah. his his best rushing performance against Power Five teams, excluding Arizona, is a 70 yard performance against Wazoo um, in a game that they lost 28 to nine. So. Um, and that was on 17 attempts. So averaging almost 15 yards a carry over 20 carries against Arizona is really inflating his overall numbers. Yeah, for sure. I do think he's very talented, but that was, that was an outlier game against what is definitely one of the bottom two defenses in this conference. I mean, Oh, it is the worst run defense in the conference by far. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, any more thoughts on Cal's offense versus Oregon's defense? Uh, like you said, I think we didn't, we didn't talk a lot about Oregon's defense. I think, you know, the one thing you said that I would agree with is it's an opportunity for, uh, you know, the, the, the rating, the, the statistics and some of the numbers and some of the metrics that Oregon has maybe to be improved, uh, you know, through this game, if they can, if they can continue to do what they need to do and, you know, play their assignments. I think the fact that Cal's offense is limited could, could help Oregon. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for Oregon to be a team that potentially makes a run at a playoff or, or what you want them to get to a Rose Bowl and have a chance of beating a team like like Michigan, like you at this point in the season, you should really be able to sit on an offense like Cal or an offense like Colorado and, and squeeze them out. Because like this is not a team. This is not a team that's been particularly explosive against anybody. They haven't scored a lot against anybody. I mean, the, their best offensive performance by a mile is the Arizona game. If you exclude the Arizona game. Their highest scoring is 28 points, that which they've done twice against the Washington schools. So, or I apologize. Yeah, 20, they won that once, yeah. Yeah, once. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I just, th- this is a game I understand. I'm, what I'm more concerned with, with Oregon in this game is intangible things. Like, is, is Oregon on the road after a big emotional game on game day? Is this a letdown spot? Like, what is the mental state of this team? How locked in are we going to be going on the road into what's probably not going to be a very full stadium um, after coming off such an emotional high that there was a two-week buildup for? You know what I mean? Um, and so, like, if what I'm looking for is Oregon to improve on the things that we know they need to improve on as a defense, getting off the field on third down, sacking the quarterback when they create a pressure, like having a 47% pressure rate against UCLA and not converting any of those into sacks that's a problem against a less mobile quarterback like Plummer. You should be able to finish a larger proportion of those, those pressure opportunities. Yeah. You'd want to see it looking more like that Stanford game where they were able to convert a number of those opportunities into sacks. And I think even Arizona, they they had some success with that as well. Yeah. I, I think to your point about the intangibles and the letdown game, and I, I totally agree with you. I and mean, if you go back to, you know, this will be our third road game, you know, third conference road game. You know, we saw that, if you will, against Washington state in a sense, right. I don't, I don't think Oregon like came out flat or let down in that game. I mean, they, they marched up and down the field, right. It would, you know, it was kind of, but it was some of those lack of execution, lack of finishing drives that, that allowed that game to, to, you know, first flip Washington state's way and then and ultimately turn into a, 
into a last minute game. So it's not a letdown game in the sense like, you know, like we saw over the last four or five years where we'd go on the road and just like look like we showed up at halftime. Uh, Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, Cal's like, or everybody that's played Oregon this year has had success on script offensively, right? Like most teams have kind of moved the ball on us on their first drive. Sometimes we've been able to dig our heels in and hold teams to field goals or, or maybe even uh, get a stop on fourth down in the case of that BYU game early in the season. But what you'd really like to see in, in, a, in a game where you outmatch your opponent in the way that Oregon does here, for them to be able to come out and get a stop right away, right? Yeah. Like, not surrender 60 yards on that opening drive on script. Like, come out, be disciplined, play these guys straight up, and win. Um, and so that's what I'm looking for here. I'm, I'm looking to see how do we respond on the road coming off a big win, um, and are we capable, have we improved to a point where when we play inferior competition with an offense that's very standard to defend um, and is, is very straightforward in the way that they attack, can we just come out and, and create stops? That's where we need to be at this point in the season. Yeah, and if you look at Cal's game last week, you know, they went five and out, three and out, and six and out on their first three possessions against Washington. And as we've talked about, Washington does not, does not have a very good defense. So if, if Washington can do that, like Oregon and I'm not, and obviously Oregon's defense hasn't performed our level of expectations, but they've performed better on the whole this year than Washington's defense. And so it's, it's not an unreasonable expectation. Like we're not playing a, a top 10 defense in the country or I'm sorry, a top 10 offense in the country. Like we did last week against UCLA or like an explosive passing attack, like we did against Arizona or a Utah or sorry, a BYU team that, you know, had some had some capable capable uh, playmakers in it, and or you know all those other teams we've seen this year. Like this offense is bad, right? If we can't if we can't execute our will against them, you know, early in the game, that's a challenge. Hundred percent agree. Uh, you want to move on to the other side of the ball? Yeah, let's move on. So Cal's, uh, Cal's offense, we talked about Cal's defense against Oregon's offense. It's interesting because like when you look at the metrics, their defense doesn't look very good to me, but yet they've somehow managed to keep scores. As we talked about on the other side of the ball, they've managed to keep scores kind of low all season. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're coming in at 46 currently in F plus, uh, for those who don't know, uh, F plus is an average of S and P plus and FEI. Uh, which are two efficiency metrics. One of them is more drive centric. One of them is more per play. So it kind of gives you a nice like middle ground between those two. Um, so 46 is okay. I mean, it's not elite by any stretch of the imagination. Like when you take a deeper look at their, at their defensive um, statistics, especially on the front, like they're 95th in average line yards allowed per play. So uh, putting them in, in certainly the bottom, like bottom third of college football, um, they, they don't, their power success rate is 41st um, stuff rate is 104th. So this is a team that like, when you look at this Cal defense, they're well coached in the sense that they play very sound football. Like you're not going to see a lot of guys busting assignments. You're not going to see guys just wildly out of gaps playing, um, playing out of control or, or not playing within the system. But what you're also not seeing is guys really defeating blocks and making plays in the backfield um, or, or doing anything outside of what the structure of the defense would allow them to do. Uh, and so I think it makes them it makes them a little bit more difficult to defend because they don't give up a lot of expo- or uh, to attack, I should say. 
because uh, they don't give a lot of explosive plays up. And so you're going to really have to execute drives. They're, they're going to do a good job of playing with good eye discipline and keeping things in front. And so this is kind of a test for Oregon's um, ability to execute on longer drives um, and hopefully still be able to find ways to create explosives. I mean, Oregon right now is second nationally in offensive points per drive uh, at just a little bit over four points per drive, especially like when you consider that we had 0.5 points per drive in our first game against Georgia. And that's still part of the sample set. That's really, really good. I mean, the only team in front of us is Ohio state. Um, Oregon's offensive line is now first in average line yards per attempt. We're fifth in power success rate. We're ninth in stuff rate. Like no teams are not really able to stop the, stop the run. We've been able to run with extreme levels of efficiency. And I don't see any reason why that won't stop here. Because again, Cal is not without Brett Johnson in the lineup. They lost him in, in preseason camp for like the fourth or fifth year in a row. It seems um, they don't have anyone that's really just, shedding blocks and making plays in the backfield. That's like an, that's an easily identifiable X factor in their front seven. And so it's more of a team effort of playing gap sound football and, and catching runners a couple yards downfield. What is a couple yards downfield against a team like Washington or Colorado should be seven or eight yards downfield for an offense that's been operating at the click that Oregon has. So, um, and, and another thing that I would definitely add to this is when Cal under Wilcox with this defensive structure has played against teams with more mobile quarterbacks. They've struggled to stop, stop the quarterback run. And so I'm, I'm sure that that's going to be a factor in this game from a game plan standpoint, if you're Kenny Dillingham looking and, and doing opposition scouting on Cal. Yeah, it certainly seems like, I mean, you know, under the Wilcox regime, you know, Cal has always had, I think, uh, you know, one of the better defenses in the conference. I don't think I think this defense is not on the level that we've seen over most of his tenure. I, I, I again, I think all the things you said, right? They play, they play kind of a, a you know, a sit back and and protect the explosive play style. So they're going to keep games, you know, they're going to keep those drives, you know, long and methodical, right? And and hope you beat yourself, kind of kind of style, like we talk about a lot. But I definitely it feels like the quality of their defense is just not nearly as good as it has been in previous years. And and I think, you know, if you, I know a lot of Oregon fans this week, like, Oh, Cal always plays us close. Oh, we always get stuck in these close games with them. And, you know, certainly we, you know, Oregon won by seven last year at home and they needed a, you know, a last second, you know, red zone stop to keep that game from going into overtime or, or worse. Um, you know, in the year before, I think, you know, the game was all, they beat us, I guess, in the COVID year. I don't really count that, but even the year before that, that, you know, Herbert's last year, the Rose Bowl year, that game was ugly and messy and, and well, you know, like a one, a one score game. So, so I think a lot of, a lot of fans this week are like fretting that. Right. And I just think some of that is you have to kind of get past the way that, you know, Oregon used to seem to you know, kind of cliche here, play down to the level of their competition a lot, you know, and, and we haven't seen that this year. You know, I just, it feels like Oregon in the last six weeks has just been coming out, you know, from the get go, like uh, playing at an extremely high level from, from the opening kick uh, right through, you know, the mid third, late third, third quarter, they have a 20 point lead and then they cruise home the rest of the way. So I'm not expecting anything different this game. And I mean, I'm sure at some point there's going to be a letdown game 
under, you know, Dan Lanning, obviously at some point under Dan Lanning and staff, there's going to be one of those let down games where a, a much lesser opponent plays as close and maybe even wins. But until I see it, I'm not going to fear it. I'm not going to predict it. Um, and I, and I think that's, I don't see that. I don't see this game going that way. Yeah. I mean, I, Oregon fans, like we, we've been, I, and I fall into this myself, like psychologically, I feel the need to like almost be bashful about what we are offensively. Like we're third in the country right now in F plus and offense. Like we are an extremely elite offense. We are a, like, no matter what metric you look at, Oregon is a top five offense in college football right now. And so yep. Cal has done a really good job of stopping one dimensional Oregon offenses that have lacked passing explosiveness. Um, and that's also with much better Cal defenses than this one. This Cal defense, in my opinion, is much more equipped to stop a team that wants to throw the ball or that is reliant on throwing the ball than they are to stop a balanced football team. Because this is what they're going to do. They're going to stay in that too high shell, which means that you're going to have the numbers that you want in the box the entire game. And and what that's going to allow is for Kenny Dillingham to dictate to, to Cal that they change that, that they change their structure which is going to also change the level of safety that those corners have been able to play in both literally and figuratively, because they're going to have one less guy over the top. That's going to change the type of coverages they play. If they're bringing bodies down to the box, they're probably going to have to play more man coverage and they're going to, they're going to have to actually try to cover people more straight up than what they've been able to do. Maybe when they play Washington, because against Washington, it was, it was one of those things where it was an offensive strength into a defensive strength. Like Washington, despite box numbers is still going to throw the ball more often than they're going to try to run it. Um, and that's kind of plays into the strength of this Cal defense. Like they're going to play sound. They're not going to have a lot of coverage busts. They might physically lose a matchup on the outside, but they're not going to just blow a coverage or, or like play, <laughs> play with dirty eyes and get lost. You know what I mean? Well, except in that one, uh, that one play, I think it was on Washington's final touchdown. I don't know if you saw that. I don't even think that was, I think, didn't the guy slip on that? I don't even know if it was. A no, 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 the, the, they, they actually came out. So uh, Washington came out with trips to the boundary and, and Cal had two, two DBs over there and they had three DBs on the field side uh, where only one receiver was. And, and they ended up calling a timeout, came out of the timeout. Washington basically did the same thing. Cal lined up the same way and, and Washington had like a walk-in touchdown on a three on two. Oh, weird. It, it was, yeah, the clips are all over and I actually saw it in real time in the game. And I was like, I was blown away too, that, that they actually <laughs> called a timeout and didn't even address the, their coverage issue. So, but it, it's a one-off. I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah. But regardless, like for the most, for the, for the most part, like the, what makes this defense good is how sound it is. It's like back in like 2018, they were like number 14 or they were a top 15 defense in the metrics. And they had a lot of talent in the secondary, uh, Gerald Alexander, who's a defensive back coach for the dolphins, I believe was their DB coach. And they had a bunch of talent. Um, that is not the case right now. Like they've got some good players out there and, you know, never know, like they're younger. Some guys might develop into pro players. Um, but like this is a team that Oregon should be able to exercise their physical advantage at the point of attack against and force them out of their comfort zone from a play calling standpoint, like force Peter Sermon to manually move bodies up into the box and and expose expose their their back half um, to some true one on one matchups where which is where Oregon's going to find their explosive plays and a lot of the same way that they found it last week, right? Like. 
a lot of like the big play to Troy Franklin came off play action. Safety's coming down, feeling the need to to, to add a hat uh, to the box in the run game. And Franklin runs by him over the top. And so uh, until someone stops Oregon's run game, and I do not think that this Cal front is the one that's going to be able to do it, that they're equipped to do it. Oregon's going to have the, the the ultimate trump card to dictate to defenses how the game is going to be played. And ultimately, I think that Cal is going to decide to make Oregon have longer drives. Like they're going to just try to make – they're going to try to shorten this game as much as possible, limit the number of possessions, because I think that's their best chance of winning. If they try to play this game straight up with us, we're just going to outscore them. And even if we have a little bit of a letdown and, and don't um, come out as sharp as maybe we have in weeks past – we're, we're still going to over the aggregate, just outscore them. Yeah. I, I think that's absolutely right. It's, it's hard for me to see this Cal defense, you know, doing what really nobody's been able to do since Georgia, which is slow down the Oregon offense at all. So I, I, I don't see that happening and I don't see Cal's offense being able to keep pace. So I think, I think this is going to be a pretty comfortable Oregon Oregon win. I don't know if we want to move into our pick time or yeah. I mean, the last thing I'll say, say on this, this is that like the the only way, and this is going to sound redundant. This is going to sound like coach speak coming from podcasters who aren't really affiliated with the program, but like the only way that Cal stays in this game is if Oregon shoots themselves in the foot with penalties, turnovers, just sloppy play. Like that's the only way that this Cal defense consistently finds ways to get off the field against this or against the Oregon offense in its current form. Yep, I totally agree. Uh, any, man, we've already talked about it. There's no more keys to the game. Just be Oregon and you'll win comfortably. Yeah, that's the key. Pretty much, just come out and, and like fight, fight the the urge to be complacent that comes after a big win at home and reading all the positive press clippings because everybody with a platform nationally has been saying positive things about Oregon this week, and so. This is typically where a team will stumble over their own ego and maybe have a close game or even sometimes lose. So uh, this is a really good test for a young a young head coach and a young staff to prepare a team that now has some real expectations. All right. With that said, the line on this one we're going with this week is I know there's it started at 14, 14 and a half. It, the line that that I picked when we pulled this is 17. So Oregon by 17 and I've got Oregon covering that. I think I just don't think Cal has enough offense to keep pace. And I think they can't slow down Oregon's offense enough and Oregon will win by well more than 17. Yeah. I just think this game is going to go a lot like the Stanford game. Um, I think Cal's better defensively than Stanford. I think that they're a lot less of a threat offensively than Stanford was. Um, So yeah, I'm going to take Oregon to cover the 17. Wouldn't surprise me if Cal covered, but um, I I just until Oregon comes out and lays an egg and looks unprepared, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to project that it's gonna happen. Yeah, I think I've moved beyond that kind of mentality and mindset that I had been conditioned into. So I'm with you. Yeah. I'm not gonna predict it until there's a reason. Yeah, like I, I had somebody ask me earlier this week, kind of like what I thought the final score of this game would be, and this just strikes me as like a 45-20 game. Yeah, that's I'm in that same range. I think Oregon's gonna get you know 38 to 45 depending on when garbage time starts and, and Cal will be 20 or less. Perfect. Let's uh, move on here. We have uh, Utah going up to the Palouse to play Washington state. Uh, Utah is a seven and a half point road favorite. This line has actually moved towards Washington state in recent days. 
opened at like nine, I think, and has moved all the way down to seven and a half. Um, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Utah. I think that the Washington state defense is solid, um, but Washington state offensively, I just can't trust them enough. And in uh, Utah is a, is a legitimate top 15 offense in college football. So uh, I'm going to take Utah on the road to take care of business here. Yeah, I am also taking Utah on this one. If if this game would have been a few weeks ago, uh, you know, I might have I might have gone a different way, a different way on this one. I, you know, I think Washington State is not playing at nearly the same level they were. You know, for example, when they played Oregon, and I think Utah is kind of hitting their stride offensively at least. You know, I think one of the interesting things here is you know, Utah has not done well historically playing in Pullman. They haven't actually played there in forever. Their last game in Pullman was 2018 uh, through some scheduling quirks. And I think they missed one that, that should have happened during COVID, but uh, they did lose that game. And the last, I think they've lost, you know, they lost the one before that too, but now you're going back 10 years. So who cares? But uh, you know, it is a Thursday night game, which is kind of weird. It's in Pullman, you know, which is, I think, a place where Utah struggled. But I still just don't think Washington State has enough offense to keep up no. in this one. At this point in the season, Washington State, like offensively, like we know what they are. They can't run the ball. Cameron Ward has been thoroughly exposed as being average, um, despite his best efforts against Oregon. And in Utah, despite like Utah doesn't stop the run really well, but they stop. They'll be dominant stopping the run against Washington State because that's how poor Washington State's run game is. And I think. Clark Phillips will probably pick off Cameron Ward in this game. Uh, and, and I don't really see as, as, as much fun as that, that you, that Washington state defense is. I just don't see them finding enough stops. All right, we'll move on. Um, the rest of the lines like the Oregon one are all double digit lines this week. It's, it's a lot of uh, good on bad matchups in the conference this week and one bad on bad or bad on awful, I guess you'd say. So next one is USC at Arizona. The Trojans coming off a bye are a 15 and a half point favorite uh, down in the desert against Arizona. I'm going with USC on this one. I think they're they're going to be fired up after their loss at Utah. I think they're 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 out to prove a point. They're out to on a mission to to run the table, get to Vegas and and maybe see where they can go beyond that. So I just don't think Arizona's got any kind of defense that's going to be able to stop USC's offense and i think usc is going to continue to do what they do on defense and they're going to be opportunistic probably pick off delora a time or two and make a, enough stops to to cover this spread so i got usc yeah i'm taking usc as well between utah usc and ucla those teams don't have any margin for error anymore remaining um so like a weird loss to even a bad football team just completely eliminates them from pac-12 title contention um, and so I think that you're going to see those teams really dialed in week to week here down the, the final stretch of games. And so because of that, I, I'm just going to I'm going to roll with the teams that are better and, and trust them to cover. So I'm going to take USC. All right, you got the next one. Yeah. So we have Stanford uh, coming off a really weird win at Arizona State going on the road to play UCLA. Um, UCLA is a 16 and a half point favorite up from 15 and a half at open. Um, again, just give me UCLA. Like they've got one job and that's to be under, to be a one loss team when they play USC in week, um, week 12 or week 11 or whatever that is. And on November 19th, uh, and, and I, Stanford can't 
really stop anyone. So why would they be able to stop a UCLA offense that's really clicking? I also have UCLA in this game. I, I, I for a lot of the same reasons we talked about with um, with USC, right? I mean, they came off the loss; they can't afford another one. Stanford defensively is not uh, a good football team. They're not really a good football team offensively either. Uh, maybe a little better there. And, and UCLA has a top ten offense in the country, and I think we're going to see that shine through. I think they're going to win, and I think they will cover. The 16 and a half. It's a lot of points, but I still think they'll cover it. Perfect. Last Pac-12 game of the day is uh, Arizona State going on the road to play Colorado. Arizona State is a 13-point favorite. I know it's your turn to go first, but I think you know where I'm going with this. Um, I am picking everybody to cover against Colorado, and 13 points is disrespectfully low. Um, little little inside baseball. Arizona State's uh, interim head coach has taken over offensive play calling. Um, so I would expect the offense to get things kind of moving in the right direction here this week. Yeah, this is, <laughs> I'm learned my lesson. I took Colorado, uh, last week in some, uh, you know, brain aneurysm moment perhaps, but uh, not this week. I'm going with Arizona state. They're going to, they're going to cover the 13. I think they're going to cover it pretty easily. It, it is interesting looking at this cause it is, it is two bad football teams. I mean, Arizona state is, is not a good football team, but Colorado is, I don't know. They're on another planet of bad. So yeah. Sun devils. Perfect. Transitioning over to the national games. Uh, I think this is the big noon game this week. You have Ohio state going on the road to play Penn state, not a wide out because it's a morning game. So they played the uh, wide out game last week against Minnesota. Ohio state is favored by 15 and a half points on the road. What do you got Doug? I got Ohio State. <laughs> I think Penn State was exposed by Michigan as a – if they're the third best team in the conference, there's a big gap between number two and number three, which means there's an even bigger gap between number one and number three. And I think Ohio State's going to fill that gap and then some. So give me the Buckeyes. Yeah, Ohio State went up against actually a very good Iowa defense last week and scored like 51 points. Um, this is Ohio State's first – real air quotes test of the year. Uh, and I don't really know how much of a test it is. I think that there's just a pretty big gap between the top two and the next team. And so I'm going to go ahead and take Ohio state to, to win and cover this game as well. Um, although you never know, but I, I will also say like James Franklin, I think is one in seven against Ohio state. So pretty, pretty safe bet here. I think. Yeah, let's stay in the Big Ten. So this is a Big Ten West matchup between the the leader of that division right now, the Fighting Illini of Illinois, and a Nebraska team who seemed like completely on the ropes when they they fired Scott Frost. But when you look at it, they still have. If they win this game, they're right in the hunt for that Big Ten West title still, which is, seems kind of crazy at this point. Um, so Illinois at Nebraska. It's a seven and a half point spread in favor of uh, Illinois, of course. So who do you like here? This one's tough because it's at Nebraska, but I, I just trust Illinois. Their their defense is exceptional. It's like a top three or four defense in college football. Nebraska's offense has been super inconsistent. They've really struggled with line play, uh, which is where Illinois has been really honestly fit. Dominant is up front. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Illinois to cover here, although like that, that that half point is uh, making me consider the other side. 
Yeah, I went back and forth on this one as well. <laughs> um, and and the half point is certainly a part of that. But I, at the end of the day, I think I think Illinois' defense is really going to keep Nebraska to a low a low a low score. And Nebraska does not have a good defense at all. Their defense is actually bad. So I think Illinois is going to score enough to to get it over that seven and a half. And I will take the Illini. Moving on to the uh, world's largest cocktail party. Uh, we have a neutral site game in Jacksonville between Florida and Georgia. I am taking Georgia in the 22 points. Uh, Anthony Richardson has it actually improved a little bit as a passer as the year has gone on. But unfortunately, the receiving core is just very average. Um, and Ohio and Georgia defensively is like perfectly built to sit on an offense like this. That's so one dimensional. So I'm going to take Georgia Kirby smart hates Florida. He's a Georgia guy himself. Um, anybody who hasn't heard his halftime speech from last year, um, uh, against Florida, highly recommend checking that out on YouTube. Uh, it'll make you want to pick Georgia in this game as well. Yeah. I'm on Georgia 22 is that's fine. You can have 22 because it's going to be more than that. I, I think Georgia is going to curb stomp all over Florida down there it, in Jacksonville. It's one of those things where because there's a little bit of a look ahead opportunity here, um, you would think that maybe they might be looking ahead to Tennessee, but this is just such a heated rivalry. Um, this is one of the more hated and uh, aggressive rivalries in all college football, and Georgia is going to be ready to go. Speaking of Tennessee, um also an opportunity for them to have a look at look ahead game uh, as well. But this week they're hosting Kentucky in a game that you know, obviously is critical for both of these teams to continue their goals going forward. Um, Kentucky is a 12 and a half point underdog. I think this was technically supposed to be your pick, but you went on Georgia first. So I'll, I'll get back and pick this one first. I have Tennessee covering this one at home as well. I think, I just think they're too explosive offensively. I know Kentucky does some things well on defense. There's other things they, they don't do very well on defense. And, and I think Tennessee's just just going to put up way too many points. And I don't think Kentucky's going to be able to keep pace. So give me Tennessee. I'm going to differ on, on this one. I think Tennessee is going to be a little bit more susceptible to a look-ahead opportunity here. I think Tennessee wins this game. I think they win this game by multiple scores. I just think that Kentucky's going to cover the 12 and a half. Um, Will Levis should be pretty healthy coming out of the bye week. Chris Rodriguez, um, after missing some games with suspension early at running back, should be full go for for Kentucky. I I don't think this is a particularly great matchup for Kentucky, but I think that this is just one of those games that the, the Stoops team shows up and is ready to go and, and is able to either backdoor cover or keep it within 12 and a half. Moving All right. Well, down. that's our first one we've picked different today. So we had to have at least one, right? Yeah. So moving on down to Big 12 country, uh, this is where game day is this week. Or not game day. Sorry. This is where Josh Pate is this week. We've got Oklahoma State going on the road to Manhattan to play Kansas State. Kansas State is a one and a half point home favorite. Um, am I picking this one first or do you want to go first? Um, I think uh, you go for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm taking Oklahoma State here. I, I've i been kind of fading Oklahoma State this season, but Kansas State's without Adrian Martinez at quarterback. I, I just think that Oklahoma State is kind of finding, I don't know, Spencer Sanders seems to be getting more healthy again. They're, they're finding themselves defensively after all the lost production and obviously losing Jim Knowles as a defensive coordinator. Derek Mason seems to be stepping in and doing a good job. 
uh, still creating a lot of pressure on the defensive front. So, yeah, give, give me Oklahoma State here. I actually think they're going to get the win here on the road. Man, if, if Martinez was playing, I would be – I would be taking Kansas State if, and if he was fully healthy, right? I mean, he may play. It sounds like he's he still might play, but he's going to be limited if he does. Um, that really changes the complexion of this game. This is a hugely important game in the Big Twelve race. the The winner of this game is is right is sitting there right behind TCU in pole position for that second spot, and and to make the the Big Twelve championship game, the loser of it is going to have a, a uphill battle to get back in it uh, down the stretch. So it's a it's a critical game for both of these teams. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate. You'd like to see in a game like that, you know, the, the, both the quarterbacks be healthy and, and uh, you know, that changes the complexion of the game a little bit. I, like I said, I would have picked Kansas state had they had, if Martinez was healthy, but since he's not, I'm also going to go with Oklahoma state in this one. It's a pickup game. Perfect. Lastly, we've got Notre Dame going on the road to the AMC Wireless Dome, I believe, is what the name of the stadium is up there in Syracuse, New York. Uh, Playing the Orange, Syracuse is a three-point home favorite. Uh, Doug, what do you got on this one? Yeah, this is another one that uh, it was interesting. I put it on here. I thought, okay, it's about is it's an opportunity for Syracuse to bounce back. It's not it's not a conference game technically. Obviously, they're playing Notre Dame because of the conference contract with Notre Dame, but it doesn't count for conference standings. They had the disappointing loss to Clemson last week in a game they led most of the most of the game. Notre Dame is definitely improving throughout the course of the year. Their defense is good offensively. They're challenged, <laughs> to say the least. I, I think I like Syracuse in this one. I think they're going to win. I, I don't think a field goal's all that much, so I'll pick them to cover also. Ditto. Yeah, I trust the uh, Syracuse offense to figure out some things. This, this, Clem, this, sorry, this Notre Dame defense is not the same quality of the Clemson defense that shut out Syracuse in the second half last week. Um, and so for that reason, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a feisty Syracuse team that's actually pretty competent in the front seven defensively. All right. I think that covers all of our games for this week. Um, there is an interesting or potentially important game in the in the G5 as well, Cincinnati at UCF. They're in the AAC now. They're joining the Big 12 together next year. Um, and Cincinnati is sitting right now, at least in the A, if you go by the AP poll, they're sitting in that spot to get the New York Six Cotton Bowl bid. But they've got to win out to do it. And uh, this, this is an opportunity where they could lose one. We're not picking this game, but I just wanted to call it out. Yeah, um, if I was picking this game, I'd take Cincinnati. UCF is like like all Gus Malzahn teams. Like they're just kind of a mess. <laughs> it's it's funny though, you look at Cincinnati and they're just like squeaking by teams week after week after week. Like every game is a is a one possession game. So it's sooner or later that will catch up with you as we've seen in the past. A hundred percent. But UCF is just I just don't I don't know. I just think I favor Luke Fickle in a coaching matchup against Gus Malzahn so much that in no way would I ever pick UCF to win that game. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Anything else uh, you want to cover tonight before we call it a game? Call it a call it a show? No, I think we covered everything. Um, really excited to just kind of see. I want to see how Oregon handles coming off a high, like winning winning with game day and with Pate in town, and just the the atmosphere and the special uniforms and the breast cancer awareness stuff. I, I want to see how this team handles being a favorite and going, going on the road now, starting the two game road trip. Um, that's going to really like these next five games are what we're going to talk about. when the season ends, not, not the first games. So 
um, this is a defining stretch and I want to see how this team handles the, um, the kind of, the kind of change in tune. Cause they've been, they've been able to paint themselves as a, as a, um, underdog and as a team that's getting disrespected now for the most part of the season since that opening loss. And this is an opportunity for them to, to learn how to play with a lead in a sense. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you're right. I mean, everyone had kind of written them off, you know, nationally. And then on a conference standpoint, everyone's been talking about USC, you know, and then it was UCLA and then it's USC and then it was Utah or actually started Utah and then they lost and it was USC and U- UCLA and the LA schools. And, and then, you know, then it was UCLA after USC lost. And then obviously now after Oregon knocked off UCLA, finally people are like, Oh, maybe Oregon's the team to beat after all. So you're right. That is a different place to be. And then they've been all season and, 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 you know, you don't want to ever think teams are looking too far ahead, but you know, you certainly start looking at Washington at home, Utah at home at Oregon state, right? That three game stretch that's going to end the season and really decide, you know, whether this season is a success or, or maybe a mild disappointment. And you you don't want to be caught looking past, you know, California and Colorado, right? And those are games where you don't want to just win, you know, if, you know, I don't want to look too far ahead here, right? But if, if you want to get into the playoff down the road, like these are games you have to not just win, you have to put away, right? Yeah. You've got to get style points. This is, this is where we find out if this team has the football character to become a murder squad, or if they're just going to be a, a pretty good team uh, that's capable of rising to the occasion, because if this team is really dominant and they are really good, they're going to improve defensively. They're going to be able to sit on these these next two opponents, and the offense is just going to come out and take care of business in two and a half quarters, and we're going to be getting a lot of reps to young guys. But if that's that takes a lot of maturity from a team, um, and it, it takes mature leadership, which I think this team has, but we're going to find out here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Absolutely. And and just real quick on the Pac-12, you know, situation, we kind of touched on it earlier, but, you know, you got your top four in the standings, you know, Oregon with no losses at conference, and then Utah, USC, and UCLA all with one. They all have games that they should win fairly comfortably this weekend, and they all need to. Because if you're each of those teams and you're looking at the other three, you got to be going into your game thinking those guys aren't going to lose. We can't lose either, right? And not and not not that's the way that you think about it as a team, right? But looking at it from a macro level, like all these teams over the next two weeks have games they should win comfortably. And before we get to those showdown games between the top four that happen, you know, in, in week thirteen, so it's going to be interesting to see how how not just Oregon but also Utah, USC, and UCLA handle their business these next two weeks, next three weeks. Yeah, I agree. Well, wrapping it up here, uh, make sure to follow the podcast at QB11 show on Twitter. Uh, follow Doug at Douglas TS, myself at QB11SD. Um, really thank you guys for, for listening and, and for all the reviews and um, look forward to talking to you guys on, on Sunday night, hopefully after a win.